0: Good morning, how are we doing? Anybody want to be equipped? Anybody believe God equips us? Um, you know, I'm looking this morning at, um, it's called Equipped as a Christian. And um, over the next so many weeks, we're going to look at different areas like Equipped for Work and various uh, arenas that we're working in or we, we find ourselves in, in the home or as parents, various responsibilities. But this morning, I want to talk about being equipped as a believer, as a Christian, And uh, I believe this can help us in all areas of our lives. Um, But, you know, have you ever felt ill-equipped? You ever started something new and you think, oh, the heck am I going to do this? Yeah, I remember taking on this church. You know, I knew in my heart, I felt God gave me vision and to do it. And then all of a sudden the reality kicked in. What the heck am I going to do? What do you do with people? What what do you do? How do you lead a church? I've never led a church before. What do I do? How do I do it? And I had that moment when I thought, I just don't feel equipped to do this. And then you begin to discover as you find and look for God and that God is gracious and God is kind. And he he actually does equip you to do what he calls you to do. Does that make sense? So if he's going to ask you to do something and call you to do it, then he's going to equip you to do it. And I find that quite liberating. But at first I was like, how do I do this? And I was doing it in my own strength. But there are many things we start new and we think, ah, I'm not sure how to do this. But what does this mean to be equipped then? A little sentence that I've written down here. It says, equip is to provide all the necessary facilities or resources in order to complete or achieve a task. So, do you believe that God would equip you to do the task that he's called you to do? You might not quite believe that as God called me, or well, let's say you're not in that place of believing that God calls you. Maybe you just believe that you just exist in this world, but you do have a purpose. You might not realize what your purpose is, but I believe God gives us a purpose of why we exist in this world. And he actually, I believe, equips us to live that purpose out, which is quite reassuring, don't you find? Sometimes I think, how am I going to do this? Anybody, anybody remember back? Some of you might remember this right now because you're at this age, but whoever remembers going to school the year you were starting, maybe you're going up to high school or you were, you know, maybe you're still in primary school and you always wanted to get the right equipment to take with you to school. Can you remember? A pencil case. And you sorry, I'm showing my age now. You, I don't even know if this exists anymore. You went to partners. Now, is partners a national organization? Do anybody have partners by them that are not from around here? Or is it just a local thing? Well, it's a shop that had all the stationery you ever wanted. And you'd go, and they used to have like a pick and mix of rubbers. But they didn't have prints on them. All they had on was, actually, sorry, they had one print, and it would say partners printed on it. You had white, green, orange, yellow. You had the ones that went on the top of your pencil, you know, and you'd go in the shop, and you know what I used to do? Maybe this wasn't a good thing as I grew older, but I used to sniff them, (laughs) all right? I used to smell them, ooh, smell the rubbers, you know, nowadays you get fruity ones, don't you? you? get all different types of rubbers. But what I would do is I would get my pencil case, I would put in my pencil, yeah, the yellow and black one, you know, with HB, you had to have an HB. Then you had to have a pen, a green one and a red one, and you got all the right pens in the box, and you had to have a protractor, right? They were great. They were great weapons in class to defend yourself. You know, I, I, and who remembers wooden rulers, and when I was teaching, you had a wooden ruler and you had, the, you had a green and yellow along the wooden rulers to, to measure the centimetres. Then you had shatterproof rulers. I mean, fancy writing them on a ruler for kids. What are kids going to try and do? I'll prove this ruler is not shatterproof. And you'd bend it like this. You're like, Oh, maybe it is shatter. And you'd bend it. So you, mm, you're like, look, I put a bend in it. Yeah, but it hasn't shattered, has it? But you'd go and you'd get all the equipment you needed for school and you'd get to school and you realise you actually got to do some work. The pencil case doesn't do it. I have a responsibility to use this equipment that I've been given. But you know, I believe God equips us. Do you believe? I'm asking this question. Does God equip? Does God equip you? Because if you believe God equips you, it will help you on a daily basis to live out the life that God has called you to live. But if you don't believe God equips, then you'll very often do things in your own strength. You'll have natural ability, natural gift. But actually, spiritually, as a believer, I believe God equips us. Do you believe that? And hopefully, I'll read at some scriptures now which suggest in the Old and in the New that God equips. Genesis, in the beginning, four. Verse 21 says this. His brother's name was Jubal or Jubal, however you want to pronounce it. He was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. Don't you just love a good pipe player? Are there any pipe players in here? Are there any flutes? Anybody played the flute? We've got a trumpet player in our house and a piano player. Please pray for us. Hmm. But you know, why am I sharing that? Because right in the beginning, God equips people. He puts it in the DNA. He gives them talent to actually be musical. Evidence in there that God actually equips us to minister with musical instruments. With gifts that he puts. I believe God puts things in our DNA. You know, the scientific evidence that says today that actually positive and negative behavior, how children are treated is passed on through their DNA. God understands the DNA and He puts within our DNA the ability and the talent to actually get things done. It just naturally comes out of us and God equips us with that natural ability. It's also evident today, scientists believe, that the negative behavior on a person can actually be affecting the DNA of a child. Actually, Scripture says that it will pass on, sins will pass on generationally. Do you see what I'm saying? It affects each generation, positive and negative. Evidence says that God created people with talents. Second one is, this is to do with Solomon building a temple. He raises up various workers, various people to help fulfill the task of building a temple to honor God. And I like how many people he's got to work with. Have we got it? It's from 1 Kings 5 verse 15. And it says, Solomon had 70,000 carriers. That's some people to look after. I read that and I think, I'm not good at carrying, right? I gotta be honest. I'm not a physical worker. I don't like my hands being too rough. Have you ever carried bricks for a day? Right? We did it when we went to Uganda a few years ago. We carried bricks up a bank for three days. My hands were no longer my hands. I am not equipped to be a carrier. I have to say. But God gives physical laborers to do and complete a task. 70,000 carriers, 80,000 stone cutters. I'm not a stone cutter either. And then it says in the hills, then it says there should be some other people. No, not that one. Sorry, I've missed that off. It says 70,000 carriers, 80,000 stone cutters, and 3,300 foremen. I'm glad they had that job, not me. That's a lot of organisation. But here's the deal. God doesn't lead them. He actually equips them with people to rise up who can be carriers, who can be stone cutters, and who can be foremen. They each have a role and they play their own role, but they're able to fulfil that that God wants them to complete. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God physically brings people forward to do the task that he wants us to do. Isaiah 61, going into the New Testament, of Jesus Christ, prophesied of Jesus, it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon him. So God himself sends Jesus, the savior of the world. He doesn't not not equip him. He sends him for a task, but he equips him with his spirits. Are you hearing this? So today, you as a believer, if you're a believer in the New Testament, God doesn't leave you alone. He'll never forsake you, but he gives you his spirits to equip you. He gives you his truth, but he also gives you spirits to empower you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news. Jesus was here to preach and to teach. And we'll look at that in a minute. But he was here to preach the good news of the kingdom of God and what God was making available. The door is now being opened. It's an open door Jesus would preach to the poor to come into the kingdom of God and to know the love of God and the forgiveness of God. He's proclaimed the good news to the poor. But what does God do? God equips him to do it. Do you still believe? Are you believing that God equips? John 3 verse 34. It's John the Baptist talking about. It's John, the book of John, that's written about John. But John is talking about Jesus, right? Have we got that? And it says this. For the one whom God has sent, Jesus, speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. I love that scripture. Is anybody like that? God does not limit resource from heaven for you. He didn't limit it for Jesus. It was given without limits. And if we become a believer, scripture tells us in the old and in the new that God is into, into equipping those who are willing to get on board with his plans and his purposes. If you want to be a believer, God will empower you. If you want to carry on living the life but not be a believer and not be a witness and not live for God, then maybe you won't feel or experience the power of God because you're not actually following Jesus as Jesus said, follow him. It's just a thought. He's still with me. So scripture scripture for me suggests that actually God gives tasks. In the book of Acts, in the beginning, the disciples were told to wait. They were instructed by Jesus. But it said the Holy Spirit will come upon you so that you will be my witnesses. So God doesn't leave them alone, but he empowers them to witness in the world about the good news of Jesus. So why another question? So does God equip? I'm asking you that question. Do you believe God equips? If you're going to do a task for God this week, whatever it is, whether it's in your home, whether it's at work, whether it's helping somebody out of difficult situations, does God equip you to do that task? Yes. Do you believe that? Right. Say, God has equipped me. You believe it. Right. You've said it. You believe God equips you to do what God is asking you to do. Second question. Why are we equipped then? Kind of answered it a little bit. I'm gonna read a scripture from Timothy. Two Timothy two twenty to twenty one says this In a large house there are articles not only gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Any clay in here? I'm like a clay ad me. I'm from Stoke on Trent. We're known as clay people. In a large house there are not only gold and silver but also wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ennoble. If a man cleanses himself of the latter, which is the not honoring, the unclean way of living. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes. Made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work so what is the reason for God equipping us first point is this we are equipped for service you are equipped to serve God himself but serve one another this week everyone in this room will serve somebody whether you believe it or not you all have a boss you will all be instructed to do something. You all have a customer or somebody you will interact with this week, somebody you will sit next to. You can choose to help them or not help them. You can choose to be a hindrance or a support. Do you hear what I'm saying? But this week, you will interact with somebody somewhere, and you have the opportunity to help them, to care for them, to love them, to support them, to encourage them. You are all here to serve one another. And if we are aware of that purpose and we live out of that purpose god promises to equip us to serve which is brilliant don't you find that amazing god equips us to serve the second point is this so we're equipped for service we're equipped and i've mentioned it to witness this week you will be a witness for jesus christ you will If you've heard the message this morning, you will choose what to do with this message. Do I believe this message or don't believe this message? Am I a follower of Christ? If I am, then my life now not only tells people about Jesus, but actually my life is telling people about Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? My behavior, my care, my love, my getting rid of selfishness and thinking of others other than myself is the witness so it's like two hands that you've got in one hand you're serving the good you're doing good works you're doing your best to 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 honor god in the other hand you're a witness about christ tell people about why do you behave like that well actually this is why i behave like that this is the gospel gospel in one hand good works in the other hands do you hear what i'm saying So God equips you with service, good works, and he equips you with the gospel. He'll teach you the good news. He'll show you what Jesus has done for you, but also he'll empower you to do good works, to serve one another. There are two hands that we both have. Good works, gospel. Good works, witness. You hear what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Is that clear to you? So this week you will serve and you will be a witness whether you choose intentionally to be or not. So I want to look now at How does God then equip us? How does he do it? Have you ever thought that? How does God equip me? How does he train me and equip me to actually feel like I'm full of equipment and ready to walk this walk and to do the good works and to witness? I want to look at the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. And it says this. It's been Paul's talking about living a sensual life. So being led by your senses, not being led and do what's right. And then he says this. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. By your senses or your experience. It says this. Surely you heard of him. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So how do we, as a Christian, become equipped? The first point is this. We hear the voice of Jesus. You think, why are you telling me this, Paul? There are many things I can teach you as a Christian to do. But if we don't hear the voice of Jesus, we don't become alive in Christ. We start to do the good works without our hearts being renewed in Christ. Our hearts need to hear the voice of Jesus. Our hearts need to hear the gospel and receive the gospel in our hearts that actually changes and transforms us on the inside. It's like a clam that's clammed together and it doesn't want to open up. But the gospel comes and the good news of Jesus hits us and it actually, as we receive it, and it begins to open us up like a clam that's got, like, a, like an oyster that's closed up, but has got something precious on the inside. Does that make sense? When we hear the voice of Jesus, we're made alive. You see, if we try and do it the other way, I'm coming, I'm going to do good works, I'm going to be a better person, that wears us out. I've got to be honest, I've done it this way. I slip from one to the other and I'm trying to find my approval by doing good and, and, and I think, oh, it doesn't work. Actually, that's not the way God's designed it. God's designed it the other way around. Come to Jesus first and let him fulfill you. Let Jesus just live in your heart. May the gospel live in here because what Christ has done for you That's the good news. That's what will equip you when we receive Christ. When we humble ourselves and say, I am a sinner. I need forgiveness of sin. I I am getting it wrong. I need your help, Jesus. I haven't got it all together. I'm still learning. I still need to know something. I've made a mess. I'm struggling. Jesus comes in and begins to empower us in our brokenness. Are you still with me? See, we're made alive in him we're not made alive by our good works or what we do we're made alive in Jesus Jesus makes us alive the word of God comes to us we hear the preached word and we receive the seed the word of God and the Holy Spirit breathes in us and empowers us and makes us alive in Christ I'm alive in Christ because what Jesus did on the cross Jesus died on the cross so I could enter into the gospel, into the kingdom of God. Now the cross has done its work. Now I'm living empowered by the spirit of God because Christ has gone to heaven and released the spirit to come to me. That is the promise that he promises. Otherwise, what we do, we do it the other way around. Oh, I've got to be a better person. Oh, if I just do this, I get it right. I'll be a better person. None of that's works. That's legalism. That's religion. The spirit, we sang it this morning. What does it bring? Freedom. Woo! The, the spirit liberates it empowers it brings fulfillment of what God promised we do not earn it we do not achieve it we receive our inheritance because what Jesus Christ has done on the cross amen and we must do it daily to remind ourselves not only the teachings of Christ but the voice of Christ the voice of the father does anybody watch the voice does anybody not watch the voice or seen the voice or understand what it 's about? You might not watch it defiantly because you don't think it 's very good, but is anybody not knowing here? don't be afraid to know what the voice is on the tally? Okay, right. So you all understand the voice. You go on this program. the person walks onto the stage they 're given a mic. And they stand there, and all the seats, all the, all the all the judges sit on four seats. You got Will I Am? That's a cool name, isn't it? It's my middle name, William. He nicked it off me. He's younger than me, right? You got Will I Am? I don't even know you've got there this year. It used to be uh, Tom Jones, mm-hmm. right? It used to be Tom, right? I'm not even going to try to sing a Tom Jones number. They tell me off for getting a mic and singing i 'll submit to them i 'm not in the family of jubble right uh, i 'm not genesis four it 's not in my system here 's the deal, right? They all sit with their backs turned, and the contestant comes on and they 're just hopeful that one of the chairs will turn and they 'll get the judge approval and They stand there and it 's like i 'm going to do it actually because i 'm pretend i 'm acting it 's not really yeah. <laughs> It's not unusual to be loved by any. you hear me? You're listening online. You can join in as well. It's not unusual to be... I don't know the words for anyone. Right? And it's singing. Right? I'll tell you what we'll do. All you turn your backs on me. Right? Can you, can you just stand for me? Come on. Just stand. I, I, I'm a bit of fun. I don't get this license very often. Stand up, church. Turn your backs on me. There we go. Right? When you think that I'm good enough, you turn around. Ready? Hi, my name's Paul, yeah, I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, and uh, I just want to sing about my wife, who I love lots and lots, and she's the love of my life, and uh, I love her a lot, so, yeah, I'm going to sing, yeah. Ready? Yeah, go for it. It's not unusual to be loved, yeah, look got to chair, carry on, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone, Ooh, i got two, three, three, I've lost it now, right, turn around, sit down, i got three, that's all I'm bothered about. I'm not being humiliated by the rest of you that didn't turn around and you don't love me and I'm still happy because someone loves me. Not even my wife turned around. <laughs> my point is this, right? Come on, you're so desperate for to be loved and to be have the affirmation and they've all got their backs to them and they're just hopeful that one will turn around. I want to say this to you. That's not how God is, church. God doesn't turn his back on you, hopeful that you're going to work it out and get it right. Then he'll eventually turn around and say, now I love you and approve of you. God's got his chair facing you. You're the one with your backs to him. He's saying, turn to me and face me. So you can understand who you are. You can understand how loved you are. You understand the sacrifice that I've made to get this ship turned around so we can get you empowered in your life turned round." But can you hear the voice? Can you hear the message? What are you listening to? Are you listening that your life isn't good enough? You're still inadequate. Come on. Are you listening, are you listening to these sounds that are from the world? Saying if you just live up to this standard. Then you'll, be, you'll have it all together. God's saying that's not what I paid for. I prayed with my precious son. My life was, I was crucified on a cross. This is the message I'm sending. Do you hear my voice? My voice isn't just words. My voice is manifested in my life. My son, sacrificed for you on the cross. I've turned around and faced you all my life when I could have turned my back on you, but I didn't. I never gave up on you. Even when you got it wrong, I never gave up on it, God says. I'm facing you. I am the I am, not will I am. I am the great I am who faces you in his chair. He does not judge you, but he looks to accept you through the blood of Jesus. But if you don't have the blood of Jesus, there is no other way to heaven apart from God paying for your sins. So he turns to you and says, I'm sending a message to you. It's my love through my son. You just need to believe in the message of my son, and he will make you right with me in heaven through faith, not by works. You know, this is what I find myself doing so often. I get into works, I'll be honest, and he wears me out. And then I go back and I realize, oh, yeah, Jesus, you've done it. I forgot. I'm being led by my senses, I'm being led by my own strength. I'm forgetting the gospel. Let's read a scripture. It's from Matthew 13, it's a, it's a parable. Jesus often spoke in parables and he spoke to them in parables that people did various jobs that he could connect with them but they had hidden meanings and it says those who had ears to hear would hear but actually what that meant was those who were willing to humble themselves and have, a, have an ear that would be prepared to listen and humble themselves so that they weren't proud and would recognize their brokenness and their need for God would come and listen to God. And then he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then I just think, why would you hide it again? How stupid is that? Just pick it up and go. But anyway, there is a reason for that. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had um, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know, I often read this, and you know, you can interpret this however you please, but you know, we should interpret scripture with the whole of scripture. We shouldn't just read one piece of scripture and think, oh, this is what it means. We must understand it in the bigger context of scripture from in the beginning and through the whole of the Old Testament and now in the New Testament through what Jesus did. The danger with this, sometimes we can read it and think, oh, I'm like the merchant who's looking for this treasure. And when I find it, I'm going to give all my life up for Jesus. Has anybody ever thought like that? If I sacrifice all my life, then I'll actually get the kingdom of God. That's not really what it means. Jesus is the merchant. Jesus is the one who's looking after what's precious. And you're the one that's precious. But sometimes we forget that. We forget the voice of Christ we forget the message of God that he was willing to come after you with all that he had, willing to give it all up. Everything he had was given up, even at the cross. There was nothing left of him, it seemed. Yet he was willing to pay the price because you are precious. You are found like off something off Gollum then, precious. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, we won't go into that one. Here's the deal. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. He loves me. He loves our enemies he loves the one that rubs me up the wrong way he loves them (laughs) he doesn't turn his back on us do you hear the voice of jesus the second thing then are you still with me we've got to know the voice of jesus the second thing we've got to know is this we've got to understand that actually we are taught in him so Jesus now, we, we, if you're a believer this morning, you believe in Jesus, you've now chosen to follow Jesus. It's like he's giving you the pencil case and the rubber and all the equipment to come to Jesus' class. Right? You're a believer in Jesus. Now you're in Jesus' school. It sounds cheesy, I know, but you're in Jesus' school. Right? Does that sound cheesy or is it just me? Where'd you go? Jesus' school. I don't know. But you're in Jesus' class. You're now called to be taught by the teachings of Jesus and to follow by applying his teachings. This is what will train you and equip you to be a witness. This is what will train you to be a good servant of Christ when you learn the teachings of Jesus. You look at his example in scriptures. You look how he gave his life. He didn't consider himself equal to God, it says in Philippians, but he considered us on the cross. And then we look at that example and we think, wow, we make life all about me. And actually life now is not just all about me. I need to grow in the love of God and I need to look out for others as well as myself. That's the example of Jesus that I'm to look at and I'm to follow and I'm to listen to the teachings of Jesus and dialogue with God through talking to him, through prayer, through my struggles, through being real and honest that I struggle with these things. And learning explanations from people that understand these things better in small groups. Or from here on a Sunday morning, you get along and you begin to understand why this is happening in my life. He trains us and equips us and empowers us to live the life that he's called us to live. So we first need to hear the voice, the heart, the message. Then we have to go on a journey of being taught. I want to read Ephesians 4 verses 22 to 32. Paul is explaining a little bit of how now to enter into the life that God has actually given us. Are you still with me? You know, God's not turned his back on you. I do apologize for my singing this morning. Please don't leave the church. I know you're a better singer than me and maybe you haven't had opportunity to sing, but you know, just go home and sing in your bedroom in front of the mirror. Or just come and sing now. <laughs> But here's the go. Ephesians 4, 22 to 32 says this. It says, you were taught. So he's taught, he just said about, you surely heard of him. You've heard the message of Jesus, right? That's where it starts. Then you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Then it says this, you were taught then with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I love this, right? I don't know about you. Do you find that challenging? I do when I do it in my own strength. But when I realize what it says, it says this, put on the new that has been created for you you hear that who does the creating god it's a bit like you go to the shop right buy some new clothes you don't go to the shop and make your own clothes then buy them unless you go to like build a bear and you build the bear then you buy it but we're not going to build a build a jumper are we You go to the shop and it's already been made. Somebody's got the wool or the polyester or whatever. They've made it in the factory. They've put it together. They've made the item. All you do is you go and pick it up and you put it on because you like it. Does that make sense? And it's like that with God. We're not making our own righteousness or holiness. We just go to God and we put it on and then walk in it. Do you see the difference? Because if you're trying to put it on and make it and weave it and do it and make it and look at me, I'm a better person, I'm doing all right. It wears you out and the clothes just become ugly anyway. But if you go to God who's created something for you and put on the new that he's created, now I'm walking covered in what God has already done for me. Do you see the difference? I find that liberating. It says that's what Paul says. It says to put on the new self created to be like God. The Bible actually says before the beginning of time, God saw you in Christ Jesus. So that means this, I am now in Christ, I am now righteous and I am now holy. And I'm putting on my robe of righteousness. And when God looks at me, he's well pleased with me. But that doesn't mean it stops there. I'm now actually going to, because I love God because what he's done for me and in my brokenness and in my pain he's given me this robe that doesn't look very much when he was at the cross and nobody really loved Jesus he was dying for me to cover me of my sin and now I've put on righteousness now I'm going to walk in righteousness I'm going to do what's right then let's read what it says Paul says this therefore therefore Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Now, I read this and I thought, wow, how many times do I walk in falsehood? How many times do I put the hood of false on me? Sorry, I'm putting a hoodie on in church. How many times do I put the hood on? How many times do I look at somebody and begin to judge them because of the way they treated me and I think I know better than them. What am I doing? I'm putting a false hood on. I'm actually hardening my heart, own heart rather than giving them the grace of God. I'm prejudging somebody else. God says don't do that anymore. Don't put on this hood of falsehood that actually doesn't help you. It doesn't empower you. It doesn't build you. You think by putting somebody else down it helps you but it doesn't. It actually makes you smaller in Christ. Does that make sense? But God's saying don't do that. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the body. And then he says this. We are all members of one body. In anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. In other words, don't live the old way anymore. Live a new life. Must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So work isn't just about us. Work is about others in service. And then he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. I tell you what, this church doesn't seem that bad when you read this, does it? Along with every form of malice, and then he says this: this is the new, this is the new clothing that Christ has given us, that Christ gave to us when He did this for us. Now He's saying, this is what I want you to put on. Are you ready, church? This is what you to put on: be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. If you are in Christ this morning, you know the forgiveness of God. Put on your robe of righteousness. Put on kindness. Put on compassion. Put on forgiveness. Because what Christ first did for us. How does he equip us? we hear his voice through faith we receive God we then go on a journey of being taught how to live this new life but my last point this is is change your clothes sorry if this offends anyone you know I, I don't mean what clothes you're wearing this morning it's not about that You know, I remember when I met Sarah, and sometimes she'd wear some things, and I really didn't like them. And it took me about six months to build my courage up to say, I don't think that suits you. We're okay with this now, aren't we, babe? (laughs) But I'm happy to tell her when something's not working in my life, it doesn't suit me. I know what colors suit her, I know the color of her hair, I know the color of her eyes, and I look at the colors, and the colors don't match. And I'm like, that doesn't suit you. Put on some new clothes then that costs me money because I have to go buy some new clothes. Shot me stuff in the foot. <clears throat> but God has given us some new clothes that he's created. He's created them in heaven. They're eternal clothes that are going to last forever. You know, in the book of Ephesians, Paul goes on to say this, put on the helmet of salvation. But I, I'm going to, this is a bit of, I do apologize if this upsets any. This is my example of what I do in today's modern world. Ready? Don't put on your helmet of salvation. Put on your helmet of salvation, right? God has saved you. But put this on. Put a virtual, virtual reality headset on. Right? Why? Because there is another world that you are a part of now. It's called heaven. And as you look at the scriptures and begin in your mind to renew your mind with what the scriptures is, it's like you put on a virtual reality headset it's kind of like this I'm living here but when I put this on I see something different are you seeing me? that's what faith does you live in the reality of here yes we're broken yes it's hurting yes that person upset me but when I put Christ on whoo where am I? there's no sin in heaven there's just love for eternity in heaven wow this love never stops God because I put on your, your headsets I've renewed my mind with what you are saying about me yes this person reject me yes that person didn't turn around and acknowledge me but God is always facing me do you hear what I'm saying but it comes out of not works it comes out of first of all finding fulfillment in Christ in the book of Ephesians Paul prays this and I'm going to read it when finish with this He says this, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You know, they're going through difficult times, churches in those days. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Does anybody this morning never allow Jesus to dwell in your hearts through faith? Because I want to encourage that Jesus loves you. He offers forgiveness of sins and eternity with God through faith in Christ. And then he says this, and I pray that you, have been rooted and established in love, may have power. Does anybody want power? It's going to come out of love. Together with all the saints. Is that the preacher? Is that the one who's anointed to lead? No, it says together with all the saints. That's you. You believe in Jesus. You're made holy. You're made righteous. You're a saint in Christ together with all the saints to grasp what you're grasping for church to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge it's not a knowledge, it's not an information it's a spiritual thing that God reveals to us through faith He says this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God it doesn't come through works, it doesn't come through earning it or you doing your good works, it comes through faith in Jesus who fulfills us fills us with his spirit as we spend time with him, then out of the overflow of the fullness of the spirit, what happens is our minds begin to get renewed through faith and reading what the scriptures say it doesn't come by reading the scriptures it comes through faith in Jesus who fulfills us first, then out of the overflow begins to help us walk in the new life, are you hearing that anybody want to receive Jesus this morning this is the saviour anybody want to put some new clothes on anybody need to change some clothes this week that's not giving you license to nudge the other partner and say you need to buy me some clothes you can do that if you want to that's your choice but actually yeah go buy him some new clothes I just feel that's a challenge for us sometimes to remember we're not here to judge people. We need to put on the clothes of what Christ has given us to forgive them like Christ has forgiven us.